0: It is very important for women to support other women, but also it should be based on principle because I wouldn't just support any woman who wouldn't share my values because we've seen women in politics, sometimes they don't know what they stand for most of the times. It's like just follow the crowd and that's not what I believe in. I would believe and support a woman that would try to make a change. I
1: see the walls before me I feel the cages forming Seems like the world is falling But I keep my head off the ground I see the wall before me I know what change is coming I hear the world is calling So I keep my head off the ground We break into everything We break into everything Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner where we shift mindsets around various topics such as family, finance, relationships, dreams and visions and most importantly opportunities and how to walk into them. We want to annihilate the assumption that we cannot break barriers. Let me tell you this today, there is more on the other side of you breaking that barrier that you would never know unless you do. Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breaker's Corner, where we step out on faith and defy the odds. I am your host, Joyce Dunker. Today we have an amazing, amazing guest. I'm so honored to have her here. I don't even know how. I'm just so lost for words. (laughs) We have Honorable Fatima Dhanjai. She's going to be our barrier breakup the month of March. We know March is Women's Day. And this Women's Day was just... I love the theme. And I just thought I had to bring someone here that, you know, stands for what the theme is and everything. And I am so grateful to have you here, Honorable. I am just like...
0: Thank God that you're here. <laughs> Please introduce yourself. <laughs> Thank you very much, Joyce. i um, Honorable Fatuma Tenjai, a member of parliament representing Banjul South in the Gambia. I'm also a member of the um, ECOWAS parliament, which is the West African economic state whose headquarters is in Abuja. But well, I was voted in by the people of Banjul South through a team called Team Bojombojo which comprises of very, very, very young people. Most of them are even first-time voters. I think I will go through that during the interview, but that is me serving a second time in parliament through a very, very, very tough elections, which we won against all odds.
1: Yeah. Well done. Congratulations. We just love the work you're doing for our country and like just blessed to see someone stand up and fight. And I think that's what drew me to you, um, especially in the video that was going around on the internet. You broke the internet with that video. (laughs) But before we dive into that area, I just wanted to ask, have you always been like this from a very young age, standing for people? And, you know, has this always been
0: you? that knew me from childhood always, that I person spoken when it comes to things that I feel should be said it's like I would just say it and then keep quiet again but I've never hesitated in speaking my mind from from primary school I've always been for the person at some for it. It's like, if I see it's hard to intervene and just speak my mind and work here is quite bad, but I've always been like this. It's surprising though, seeing me in politics because I've never been the public type of person, shy, but actually always been outspoken when it comes to speaking my mind, but in a quiet and timid way.
1: Okay. And what made you go
0: into politics then? I think it was never planned actually. It was through a conversation I've had with a friend of mine who is late now, wow. Abdullah who convinced me that after the 2016 elections, when Bar- our President Barrow came into power, yeah. um, we were discussing, and he said, now we have a new government. A government doesn't make a country. It is the parliament that actually makes the country. And I see you as a perfect person that can be part of that change because you don't hesitate to speak the truth and you stand justice. And I feel that you can be a great member of parliament. I just laughed it off. But then when I realized that he was joking, it was like he kept saying it. I spent a week with them in Uh Dakar and he was like, you have to do this. You have to agree before you go. I said, but I have to think about it because I'm a family person, I have kids. And I know that politics in this part of my world is not a woman's game. I grew up from a political family, but I've never been involved in politics. Yeah. And then he said, but you studied politics and international relations. I said, that doesn't mean that I have to be a politician, but you can be, and you need, your country needs you. And then I started thinking about it and that's what happened. That was in January. And then I decided in February when I spoke with my brother. He was very supportive because he's like the head of my family, even though he's younger than me, but you know, in my African concept, the male is always the head of my family. And he was actually very supportive. He said, yes, you can do it. And then actually the people of Baylil South had identified my brother to one. He didn't tell me about it when I told him, he didn't even mention that because what supported me? And then we went to the people and then they said, actually, we had identified your brother because of the traits that you people have
1: mm-hmm. and the
0: righteousness in you. But if he's ready to work with you, then no problem because both of you are the same for us and how it actually happened.
1: Yeah. I love this thing about support, you know, once you have a vision of where you want to go or wanting to do something, have one person speak to you, just supporting you or even telling you how to go about it. That's all one needs to be able to break barriers really, to be able to take the step forward. And you had that support system and
0: that's really, really wonderful. What did you want to become when you were young? Actually, when I was very young in primary school, I wanted to be a lawyer Uh and my dad, that stuck in my dad's mind. And he wanted me to be a lawyer because he said, you've always wanted to be a lawyer, but I said, I can't even really talk. How can I be a lawyer? He said, I can't be a lawyer. So when I went to university, he thought I had applied to a law degree in at the university. I had actually applied to international relations and didn't know until I started. So when I did my first degree, he's like, I applied to do development studies. I got acceptance. He refused. He said, no, you have to go and do a postgraduate diploma in law. But I want to be a lawyer. Otherwise, you have to come back home. And you know, a young graduate wanting to do a master's, wouldn't want to come back. But after the coup, because I graduated in 1995. And he said, you have to go back. You can't go just do your master's now. You have to go back and do this postgrad diploma in law. That's how I went to the um, College of Law in London and did my postgrad diploma in law. That was how it became one. I wanted to be a lawyer when I was very young. But when I grew up, I knew that I couldn't, I didn't want to. I just wanted to be an international civil servant and work for my country. So how did you transition? Because
1: coming back as a lawyer, how did you transition into being a civil servant?
0: Like, oh... I never did my bar. I'm, I've always been quiet, but always been very stubborn when it comes to what I wanted. I did tell him that I didn't want to be a lawyer. He insisted that I did the law, the, the law postgraduate law diploma. I did it, but then I refused to, to do my bar. Up to date, I've not done my bar. So obviously I can't be a lawyer. The transition was I did become a civil servant, but I became a banker. Actually, my experience is quite vast and after decades in banking, I joined the single survey for 13 months before actually going into politics. I think that was the calling. Working for the government for that 13 months really exposed me to a lot that I wouldn't have learned as a public servant and because being as a working for the private sector, because working for the public sector, you are exposed, even though the money is not much, Mm -hmm. but the knowledge is quite vast, those 13 months worked in government actually exposed me to know how government works for what I do today. I actually, not, and I was in the administrative part as well, which was really great for what I am doing now.
1: That's really good to know. I was having a conversation, I think it was our biography of the month of December, 2022. And she talked about the same thing, how transitioning, I mean, she's a data privacy lawyer. However, she always wanted to do something in cybersecurity. And then she kind of like transitioned a little into cybersecurity. I mean, IT law or something like that. And it just tells me that one has to be open in their journey to in life. You have this thing that you want to be this. For me, my idea was to become a banker and then from there work for UN and then start my own business and all of that. But I found myself while studying, I also studied in London, I found out myself while studying business and realizing how much I loved working with children and young people. And I called my dad. I was like, I think I have to change my <laughs> my degree, you know, my line of, of work course right now. You know, I want to do something with kids. He was like, no, 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 I've paid your money for your school. You can't change, you know. <laughs> he was so adamant about it. And I was like, okay, no problem. I'm just going to do that. And, you know, I've just been in finance for the most part of my life. However, like from a young age, I've been teaching kids, working with young people. Even when I came back in my church community, the young people, I was in charge of the youth. And so we'll have like community work, we'll have like different, different activities. And even until now, and that's why we have Barrier Replicas Corner because it's for the young people. I don't know where... God is leading my way through but I'm still in finance I'm an internal auditor but I still love to work with young people I even do that now um, on the side apart from Barabreaker's Corner so one has to be really open to their journey and wherever God is calling them at some point you realize that you fall into where you have to be and that's really great you know and not just be stuck on in your ways like this is where I want to be but just be open because you never know where the stars are aligning for
0: you. This is really, really great. And so, and one thing people think, when they talk, about people think I'm young. I'm not very young. I'm not young, because to be honest, and the reason, I don't know, everybody thinks I'm young, and I argue about it every day. You look so young, though. You look really young. I said, one thing, though, I'm not going to leave the number of years that I've lived because I'm in my 50s, and it's like, People say I'm young. I'm Come on, I'm, I'm nearly half, I'm past half a century. So it's a compliment for people to see you and think that you're young. Well, I love working with young people. And probably because I missed most parts of my youthful days because after graduating, I couldn't just come home to work. And we've wasted 22 years of our life. That's what I keep saying. And I think that also attracts me to young people to make sure that the life that I've wasted because I would have, I always say 22 years, I could have gone far Yeah. in my life. We could have built our country because we are ready, we were willing after, I mean, graduating in 95 and not having contributed anything to the development of your country is heartbreaking. Yeah. We have to mentor you. We have to nurture you to be useful to your country. Yes, what we are doing is not for us. It is for you to follow suit and know that it is possible. Don't waste your time. Don't say you are giving us the opportunity to. We should be giving you the opportunity. That's why I always say. For two terms, I've been given two terms. Now, young, and not only one person. But my plan is to campaign for more women, more young people to go to the parliament. Because I've done two campaigns in my lifetime. I know how it is done. I know that if I'm going to do it for myself, I would not be able to do it for other people. So, why keep that one seat if I can step aside and add more seats for the young, for the women? That's why people say, why are you saying you're not contesting? Is it because you're afraid you're not going to win? I said, if I was afraid I wasn't going to win, I wouldn't have contested this time. Because it's never going to be tougher yeah. than it was in 2020. Sorry, I lost you for a minute. I defended my, I guarded my dignity. I stood my grounds. Elections, if it was afraid, this was the time I would have stepped back. Because all the odds were against me. But I said no, I challenged and I won. So the reason, the only reason I'm stepping back, I'm actually not stepping back. I'm stepping in front to carry more people. That's how I see it. Why keep it if you can have more from the outside? It's not, yeah, keeping my seat would be selfishness. And I would not have to help more people. That is the only reason. And people will say, I think you're, I'm not crazy. I know exactly what I'm doing. And I always plan what I do anyway. Yeah.
1: I think that's why a lot of young people love you because of this kind of mentality. Because some people will just go there and be like, Man fila forever and ever, you know. (laughs) Meanwhile, there's so much opportunity for you to be able to step out and help other people. Yeah, even helping more people to get, you know, to get there. So I just believe that's why we all love you (laughs) and are rooting for you wherever you want to go next. And is that why you have Yai Denton? I see you have um, a program for youth and women and vulnerable people. Yai Denton.
0: Yeah, yeah. Identin was created in August of 2017 because it was a campaign promise uh-huh. that I would be a mother to the children of Banjo South initially and then roll it out nationwide. And mm-hmm. I kept that promise. And I think it became bigger than I actually thought, which this election gave birth to bojombojo I'm not sure whether you want to know how that name Bojom Bojom, came about. Because in my campaign, we, I only had the young people, and everybody was laughing at us. They're like, ah, these kindergarten people, they are not going to win, not knowing that they were all adults with voter scouts. And he accepted the name. They said, ah, we accepted the name and coined it. And now we are proud of it, attached it to Yai Dentin. But Yai Dentin was is a name I've given to my organization in um, recognition of the great memories I've had with my four grandmothers growing up in Denton, I was brought up by my grandmother and the environment was like so given, so welcoming to everybody that I decided to choose that name and embrace everybody in the community and become their mother as I saw my grandmothers did to everybody growing up. And that I think had opened up the gateway for me because even people that are older than me see me as their mother, not because of age, but because of the concept and because of the things that we do. And what our identity does is to create a safe haven for young girls who otherwise would have dropped out of school. Yeah, And since we are struggling in terms of finances, For the last five years, it was my salary and I pumped into it. And that's what we are still doing. We have some students at the university, at MDI, and at times we bail out people in primary school whose parents have lost their jobs and not do it. And that's what we actually do. We don't, my principle is against giving people money personally. (laughs) like I don't do that and. We are trying to change the concept of politics in the Gambia uh-huh. by going to naming ceremonies and all these religious. Yes, I'm a Muslim, but I believe in unity. Yeah, every corner would call for a religious ceremony, and you give them, you will end up stretching yourself. Yeah. So if it's a main, banjul one, I will contribute. I will support, but. I always rule out supporting individuals yeah, because that way it won't create any impact. And I think people have come to realize and respect my decision because it's been consistent. Yeah. If you come and tell me my wife gives birth, I mean, there's nothing I can do about that. If you tell me that you're struggling, you've lost your job to pay for a children's school fees, then I'll be more interested But to do a naming ceremony, I'm like, I have, I'm not comparing myself with anybody, but I have three children. I just, the religious thing, not waste, because I'm not the type of person that would waste resources unnecessarily. So if I don't do it, I shouldn't be encouraging people to do it as well. So I believe that we should have principles. Stick to our principles, irrespective of how difficult it would be, but eventually People came to respect that. And now it has come to a point that certain things, they don't even involve me because you know that this is out of her bound. She wouldn't do this. So let's not even bother doing it. I mean, sending it to her because I will tell them. And the fact that I don't lie to them, people will say, you are a politician. Don't say no. But then I have to, because people cannot just send something and we just keep it and keep quiet. You have to tell them why. You are not stupid and the reason. And people appreciate that. And I love them for appreciating and respecting my boundaries and knowing that, okay, this and this and this are what I stand for. But it's now become a norm. Yeah, that's really good.
1: That's really good. I mean, being able to set boundaries, you know, and let people know. <laughs> because if not, they'll encroach on you. And before you realize you're in debt, just because you want to
0: help everybody. I made it known that, it is only my salary that I have, and this is where it stops, and education comes first. It is our priority, and helping the vulnerable sector mm-hmm. and the women also equally. Anything else, if we can, we will try, but it is not something that we are committed to, but those things we are committed to. That's good. And
1: I'm taking it back a little to when you talk about your four grandmothers and all these women that have been so supportive of you thinking on Women's Day approaching and how, you know, we love to celebrate women. Maybe just talk a little
0: on why it's important for women to support other women. Mm -hmm. It is very important for women to support other women, but also it should be based on principle because I wouldn't just support any woman who wouldn't share my values because we've seen women in politics. Sometimes they don't know what they stand for Most of the times, it's like, just follow the crowd. And that's not what I believe in. I would believe and support a woman that would try to make a change. By some, a woman that stands for something, might stand for different things. That's where choice comes in. I might stand for education. You might stand for health. Yeah. But that is to improve the life and the likelihood of people. And I will support you for that. But I wouldn't just support any woman because of party or because they are women. When you talk about a woman, you're not only talking about the quantity, we are also talking about the quality because we have three women elected in the parliament Mm -hmm. and I see that they are good in what they do. Yeah. Irrespective of the number, we still show our work in parliament. Yeah. And I think that is good. Imagine. If we had 6, 7, or 8, it would have made such a difference. But just have any woman, just for the sake of being a woman also, I do not support that idea. Yeah, that's good to know. So on
1: Women's Day this year, they're talking on embracing equity. And I had to make note of this. One of the things that was mentioned in this article that I was reading, it says that, let me just read this. When we embrace equity, we embrace diversity and we embrace inclusion. We embrace equity to forge harmony and unity and to help drive success for all. Equality is the goal and equity is the means to get there. Through the process of equity, we can reach equality. And you've just talked about, you know, making sure that I'm not just supporting any woman for just because you're a woman, but what you stand for and looking at how they say we embrace equity to forge harmony and unity and to help drive success for all. I believe this is what one of the things that you stand for. And that's why you could go to the budget session and speak out your truth because you are looking for the success of all, not just for one person. And you're like, you know, why would we feed ourselves? You didn't come into this position for yourself, but for people and people voted you in. Why is it so passionate to you to know that I am not here for myself? Because some people are in those positions for themselves. Why is it so important to you that you are not just there for yourself, but for the people?
0: I think that's a very important thought because we are all equal in the eyes of the law. We all have one vote as citizens of the country, but notwithstanding. We need other people to put us in office. So if we only go in there thinking of ourselves, with only the one world that we have, then then we wouldn't be. Because when we went out to campaign, we went out with our campaign policy. And that must be our working document when we go into the parliament. And one of my promises was that I would try to make sure that there is equity Uh in the distribution of the world. Uh Equity doesn't mean that we need to have, I mean, equality is fine. We are all equal. Because the constitution says that everybody is equal in the eyes of the law. But then like you've mentioned, we all have different starting points. Yeah. I might have finished university without any scholarship, but there are some people who wouldn't need. So what about those other people? Why would we relate something? And then it wasn't for it to go viral. That wasn't my intention. And actually that wasn't even what I wanted to, but I got carried away because when I looked into, when I looked at the budget, I was so frustrated. I actually didn't want to go. But then I said, if I don't go, who is going to speak for the voice that I was sent to the parliament for this reason. And I think that was why I was given a second term. Yeah. I saw this happening and this speech of the minister is even contradictory to what was actually because if you say that we are in need, mm-hmm. the country is in a state that we need to cut cost, and then you increase my salary, I would only see it as undignified. If I should take that salary increment. Parliament is unfortunate that the majority carries the vote. That is why we need to be sure of the people that we send there, that those people will reflect the needs of the community rather than reflect, like you said, some would go there, not for their pockets, but will get carried away or will not have anything to stand that they stand for. Yeah, because before you go to parliament, you'll know that you are there for the interest of the people and not for the interest of your party. And when you are in government, it is very complicated because government comes with their policy, which you believe that you need to defend. And that might be against your own principles. So you need to have your principles. Yeah, I think I got carried away actually.
1: I think you are one principle person from this conversation that we've had. And one thing I've learned in life is that if you don't know yourself, people will make you know you. And the things that other people will bring towards you, because you don't know yourself, you'll just be accepting anything from (laughs) left, right, front, center. And You know, that's what some people, you know, may be doing, entering there thinking that, yes, I'm national BOPA, you know, this is what I stand for. And then you enter there and then you just get carried away because your principles were not probably strong or you are not a
0: strong person to, and just accepting. You don't know how to say no. And you see some people, they don't even go prepared. They go to respond to what other people say. You see, there are some people sitting there. They just wait for me to speak and then they answer. So for me. That is irrelevant because I have spoken my mind. So whether you respond to me, you are just missing the 15 minutes that you are given. And I have spoken mine. And that's it. So it means that you are making emphasis on what I have said. Because for a member, just like me, to respond to me rather than to the matters at hand. Because the budget is laid for us. And that's what we should be responding to, not to another member. So for me, you are just supporting what I have said. That's how it anyway.
1: This is amazing conversation. It's letting us know to have boundaries, to able to say no. It's hard sometimes because people get scared, especially in positions like yours. If they get scared, I mean, I guess because of prior head of state that have been there, you know, you are scared to say anything. And then you, before you realize, you know, things are happening behind the scenes.
0: And now. No, but I get bullied. I get bullied in parliament. The thing is, the first person to raise my hand and it should be according to how you raise your hands, like force come, but I will be the last person to be called or to speak. That's just to intimidate me. So it's like a battle, but it doesn't matter. It's like you have to accept it. It makes you stronger and prepare you for greater battles ahead. Not, I mean, not knowing they are strengthening me, they're emboldening me.
1: So I have this question burning in my heart right now. I'm like, with all this that you are doing, do you ever think that one day you would become, you would want to run for president?
0: Uh, it doesn't come to my mind. I think I have enough on my plate try to mentor the young people. Hopefully, I would love to see one of those people that I support now become the president. And that would be me being the president. It would be the same thing. Hopefully, I would see one of my Bojombojas at the helm someday. That's so great. That's so great.
1: So in life generally, you know, some people, I just want to ask, like, what are some of the challenges you face just in life generally? Because sometimes when you are trying to achieve your vision and your goals, you know, from a very young age, you are faced with different things. And people see you now and think that, oh, you know, maybe she hasn't gone through anything. And, you know, you can just come up and just be who you are and they see you thriving or winning. But what are some of the challenges you faced?
0: People almost see me as a bereaved child but they don't know that we've gone through struggles. And my parents were divorced when I was four years old and I was separated with my two siblings at the age of four. And I still remember the day that we were separated and it's like it's still fresh. But then we might have had everything that a child will need in material, in everything we've been everywhere in the world. But being separated from your parents is one thing that you can never get back. Yeah. So as much as people see you that as a privilege, I don't see that as a privilege. I see people with their parents as those being privileged, actually. Because even though we've had, we've been loved, we've never been maltreated, every parent, like but grandparents, aunties, uncles, name it, we've had everything. But material is not everything. Maybe that's why I am the way I am, because I don't care about material thing. I, okay, it's just material, but family is more precious to me. Maybe because I miss growing up with both my parents, even though my grandmother loved me with all her might, but it's something that I keep telling people. Don't think that people are privileged because of money, Yeah, because they come from a certain family. It's not the same. Family is more precious, being with your parents and stuff. So that's what I I just laugh when they say that, oh, you don't know hardship. Yes, yeah, I might not know hardship, but I've been through certain things as well that they might not even think of.
1: Right. That is very important to be able to grow with your family. For me, one of my sister left, well, not left, but my parents, one of my aunts in Ghana, she never married. And so my dad thought, you know, why not send one of my sisters there? I have twin sisters and she would, would have loved my twin sisters to be there. But we sent, my parents sent our third born. We are six girls. So she sent the third born there. <laughs> and one thing that Even though we are not together, thanks to social media, connecting, chatting has been very, very important to building our bond. You know, somebody might say, but you guys, like, we haven't, all of us have not been in a room together for more than 15 years. Like, all six of us have not been together in one place for more than 15 years. And it hurts and it pains, but thanks to social media, we are able to communicate, we are able to relate with each other. If we see each other today, it's not going to be like a stranger. Some people do not even have that. They grew apart from their siblings and, you know, it hurts. They don't have a relationship, but I don't know how we did it, but we just keep just thriving in that area. It's hard to not have to grow with a sibling, you know, or just grow. I don't even know how my sister survived in ghana without her parents by her side and us by her side like i don't even know how she's able to do it. but one of the things that we'd asked her once was how did she feel and she's like you know she had to take it one day at a time and at some point in her life she was like maybe she's here for a reason and she had to accept it so for us knowing that she has accepted and she's fine with it i think that's when I got comfort and that, that was just like two three years ago i got comfort about it but for a very long time i used to feel so bad for her and feel like how is she surviving you know so i may not fully understand what you went through but at least that bit of not being able to grow with your whole family and for us not even also being there together for over 15 years because i traveled to go study my sister traveled to go and study so we're all not being together but thanks to social media we are able to connect and you know, it doesn't feel like we are far apart from each other.
0: What are some of the lessons you are learning? The lessons of love is to appreciate what life has given you. Because even with all the separations, the three of us have gone to be the best friends and we are inseparable now. And we've always looked out for each other, even when we are still very young. Yeah. And I've also learned that not all that leaders is gold, and that people should learn to do things for themselves. Because in my first elections, everybody was like, oh, let's vote for her because of her dad. And I tried to separate that. And I think when I went to the parliament, I had proven that it's not because of him, but I can also build my niche. I can also do it irrespective of whom he was because it's not a matter of a free night. So I think each person should learn to identify themselves and do things, build up their own identity. Don't hide behind your parents. Anything that we might have is just see it as a bonus but try to build, try to build yourself, try to say that I can do it, 100%. try to state that I can also do it, irrespective of the challenge. Yeah. Apart some challenge, but consistency and by believing in yourself. That's good.
1: What advice have you got for young people that feel like life is hard? I don't know how to break barriers. I don't know how to stand for myself. You know, I don't know how to take that bold step to move forward. What advice have you got for
0: them? I can always tell them, it can be difficult, but not impossible. Uh, You might think that you have come to the end, you have come to a blocked road, but just keep pushing because 2020 was very difficult for me. I got expelled from my party. I got sidelined, but I think those were the moments that I strengthened myself. Start back, look at what was happening and try to redefine myself. So, however hard, don't take hardness as being impossible. It is possible. If I can, so can they. I mean, I didn't wait for a party ticket. They didn't give me a party ticket. I went independent. I mean, that can be the hardest thing yeah, to do. To be a member of a party with the court decision that the status quo remains, yet the party went ahead and campaigned against me to give my seat to another party. But it wasn't impossible. Yeah. So to the young people, try, believe in yourself, see it as remove the in and work with the possible because it is possible. Yeah. It
1: is possible. One final question. What is a quote that has helped you, you know, along the way, or any quote that
0: you love so much? <laughs> I always think of Madame josin Sally's quote, this child shall be great, and I believe every child shall be great, if you think great, so don't give up. Right. Every
1: child shall be great, so don't give up. That's an amazing quote right there. Thank you so much, Honorable Fad Danjai. I really appreciate you for coming on here to talk about this journey. It has, for me, I've just learned a lot, you know. The resilience, standing up, speaking your mind. We love it. We love you. Keep doing what you do. Keep breaking barriers. We appreciate you. We are here rooting for you from all over the world. <laughs> thank you
0: so much, once again. It's not about me. It's about, I think you should thank Team team, but, don't, but don't, not me. Because it is the team that needs me. I always give them the credit because without them, I wouldn't have been here, honestly. So it's the team. Thank you,
1: team Thank
0: you, very much. Thank you.
1: Thank you for standing up and choosing Honorable. And thank you for the work that you are all doing behind the scenes. Thank you. And this note, we end this podcast. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Barrier Breakers Connor podcast. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, share with those you think can benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to the BB podcast at gmail.com. The Barrier Breakers Corner podcast is produced by the Podcast Laundry Production Company and executive produced by Joyce Donker. The podcast music was written by Chidi Amenihu. And produced by Endy Official in the West Africa.